few weeks ago, my sons and I were very fortunate. We got to go on a little trip, a little ski trip for a few days, and uh, we had to fly out there and fly back. And because of some travel I did uh, last year, my, my dad's health was declining, so I actually had to go to England quite a few times over the course of about a year and a half. And I flew enough times back to England with American Airlines that it elevated my status with American Airlines to where I'm now a, a, a passenger with American Airlines that when I fly in the United States, if there is um, availability on the plane uh, for an upgrade, I get upgraded to first class, which is lovely. So I've flown a few times since then and have uh, been able to move up to the front of the plane, which is always very nice, and sit in the big seats. And uh, when we flew back from Denver, me and my son Will, we, uh, we were both upgraded, so we got to fly back in first class. And uh, as I said, I've got to do this a few times, so it's always very nice. But um, a guy got on the plane, and I could tell that he'd also been upgraded, but that this was a brand new experience for him. I mean, he was just beaming as he walked on. You know, he saw the flight attendant. He goes, where are you seated? He goes, oh, I'm up the front. He said, you know, he's waving his ticket. There's a one or a two on there, you know. So he sat down, and he sat kind of across from where me and Will were at. And uh, I heard him talking to the guy next to him, and he's like, how's your day going? He's like, great, just got upgraded. Better go and buy a lottery ticket. He was pretty excited about the fact that he'd been upgraded to first class. So uh, the flight attendant comes around, and before we took off, she asked if we'd like a drink before we took off. And he said, yes, please, I'll have champagne. I'm in first class. I mean, you know, so this was an 8 a.m. flight that we were taking. So I'm like, dude, it's 8 a.m. At least put some orange juice in that champagne. But, uh, but he was in first class. I heard him talk to the guy next to him saying, yeah, I'm on my way to see my daughter. Uh, she's just had a baby, so I'm going to get to meet my grandson for the very first time, but I'm pretty excited because I got upgraded first class. I better buy a lottery ticket. So yeah, we, we heard that already. Um, then I heard him on the phone to his wife, guess what? Got upgraded. I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. Then before we took off, he just sent one quick text to his daughter to let him know that he'd made it safely on the plane. I knew this because he didn't type the text. He dictated the text. Hey, honey, period. On the plane, period. Guess what? Question mark. Got upgraded, exclamation mark. Gonna buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> Smiley face, heart emoji. I mean, I'm listening to this whole conversation the guy's having with his phone. And I'm thinking, wow. And I was thinking about that story as I was preparing for my message this week because um, isn't it funny how sometimes when something like that happens, we determine that, you know, the gods are shining down on us. You know, all is good with the world. It's time to buy a lottery ticket because we got upgraded. We got that, that spot that was right up the front of the parking lot, right next to Target. You know, it opened up. It's like, it's gonna be a great day. But I happen to believe, as followers of Jesus, we don't need to live like that because we have a God who loves us so much and wants to be a part of our lives, wants to bless our lives, wants to have a relationship with us. And it just blows my mind to think about it, that the God who created the universe, that of the billions of people that live on this planet, he still wants to be involved personally in my life. He wants to hear my prayers and my requests, that I can talk to him, that I can have a, a personal, unique relationship with God. And he, he doesn't give me the numbers for the lottery tickets, but I do believe that he wants to bless me. I think he wants to be a part of my life. I think he wants to hear my, my, my requests, and, and I think he wants to help answer my prayers. And, and I think too often, we, we don't think of God like that. We think of him as distant, 
So we may have needs in our lives or situations in our lives and, and we don't turn to God because we think, well, we're likely to listen to me or like he's interested in my life. And this morning, we're gonna find out that he's incredibly interested in every one of your lives. He wants to play a part in your lives. He wants to hear, and I believe he wants to answer your prayers. So to set up what I'm talking about this morning, I need to bring up these two jars because we're in a series here called First Things First, and today's actually the last week in that series. And we've been using these two jars to kind of illustrate the idea of what it looks like to have priorities in our lives. Now, if you were here last Sunday for the very first time, you might say, we have? I don't recognize those jars at all. Well, that's because Whitney spoke last Sunday and Whitney went rogue. Whitney didn't use the jars. Whitney bought a jacket, and she had this great illustration using a jacket. So I hope you enjoyed Whitney's last ever message last Sunday, <laughs> because Whitney didn't use the jars, okay? <laughs> but I kid, Whitney's illustration was very good, and the jacket, she kind of buttoned it up in the wrong order, and it just was a great visual illustration of how messy our lives can be when they get out of whack and our priorities are out of whack. I mean, it wasn't as great as the jars, but it was a great jacket's illustration. But the jars, these two jars represent, and if you've been here the last few weeks, you'll know this, but in case you, if it's your first time here, let me tell you real quick what these jars represent. Um, they both have exactly the same amount of material in them. They've got some sand, some small stones, some larger stones, and some big stones. The reason this one, they don't all fit, is because in this jar, we added the sand and the small things first, and then we tried to add the big rocks. This one, we started with the big rocks. And we found that when we start with the big rocks, everything fits in. And isn't that like our life, these, these priorities? It might be our relationship with God, it might be our family, and we may have the best intentions of saying, well, I want to make my family a big rock in my life. I want to prioritize them. I want to get these first things first. But if we don't have a plan on how we're going to put that in the jar first, if we don't have a plan of how we're going to prioritize our family over the course of this next week, what's going to happen is you're going to get to Friday and Saturday, and you're going to think, oh, that reminds me, I, I was going to do something important in my family, and suddenly all the busyness of the week has crowded in and there's no more room for the large rock. So we've been looking at this idea of what if we were to identify some things in our life that should be big rocks and then come up with a plan to put them in first. And we're closing out the series, First Things First, with what I think is rather a unique rock that maybe you've never thought of. You see, on week one, we talked about God, and I do think that God should be a big rock. I think God should be a priority that we, we make time for in our lives. But I want to expand on that a little bit this morning and look at an element of God that we've, we've kind of talked about already, that idea of asking God to, to pray to God, to ask him to do the impossible in our lives. So this, this last rock that we're going to look at this morning, I've just, I've just called it miracles. Miracles. Because I actually believe that God does want to perform miracles in our lives. Now, I'm thinking that maybe some of you this morning think, well, I believe miracles are possible, but, but really, you, you think that should be a large rock? You think that should be a priority in our life? Well, listen to what James, who was the brother of Jesus, had to say that, that kind of challenges me personally about this idea of making these rocks larger. In James chapter 4, verse 2, he says, you do not have 
because you do not ask God. It's kind of simple. He just says you do not have because you do not ask God. Now, don't misunderstand what James is saying. James isn't saying that the only things God will give us is what we ask for because I know in my life, God has given, he's blessed me so much. There are so many prayers of mine he's answered that I've not even really prayed. Just ways in which he's blessed me and my family and and he's given and, and just been an amazing presence in our life. But I wonder if there are some things in my life that, that I've missed out on because I've not gone to God. I've not asked God. You see, what James is saying here is that God is relational. He wants me to ask him. He wants that kind of relationship. And, and it makes me wonder, what if what's standing between me and a miracle is me asking? What if God wants to do something incredible in my life, but, but because I've not gone to him and asked, I'm missing out? And we're going to look at an encounter this morning that took place between a father and Jesus. This father went to Jesus with with a request, with an ask. It was a huge ask. It was an impossible ask. He needed a miracle. We're going to look at this encounter between this dad and Jesus. And I think we're going to recognize some things in the dad in ourselves. Maybe it'll help us as we consider this large rock of, of asking God for the impossible, asking God to do something um, miraculous in our lives, in looking at this encounter between dad and Jesus, we'll kind of maybe see how we could grow in this area of, my, of our lives. So this encounter is told to us by uh, one of the gospel writers whose name was Mark. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all tell us the story of Jesus' life. And Mark tells us this particular story about a man who brings his son to Jesus. He says, Jesus, my son is demon-possessed. From an early age, he's been just, he's never spoken. He's had fits. He's, he's tried to kill himself. We've tried everything. Nothing works. So the dad brings him to Jesus because he needs a miracle. And actually, right there in front of Jesus, he has another seizure right in front of Jesus. And that's where we're going to jump into the story this morning, Mark chapter 9, verse 21. Jesus sees this and says, how long has this been happening? He asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. There's such a lot. There's just three verses there, but there's such a lot just in this short interaction between this father and Jesus that I think we're going to find we can relate to this morning. Because I want to look at just three real simple things here. The what, the why, and the how of of this conversation between the Father and Jesus. And as I do, I want you to come with me and, and, and look at a situation. Maybe there's a situation in your life, even right now. Something that seems impossible. You're asking for Jesus to, to perform a miracle. And let's look at how the dad responded and maybe we can learn from him this morning. So the first thing we need to look at this morning is the what. What did the father ask Jesus to do? I think it's pretty clear. He basically asked him to do the impossible. So he he set his sights really high. 
He didn't go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, could you help improve his condition? Could you help him do this less? No, he came with a big ask. He said, Jesus, I want you to do what no one else has been able to do. Will you heal my son completely? Will you do a miracle? Will you do the impossible? And maybe there's a situation in your life right now. It could be a physical, financial, relational. Odds are that maybe you've prayed about it, but I wonder, you know, as serious as it is, is it something you come to every day? Have, have you made it a large rock? Is this something you're, you're, you're coming to God on a regular basis? I think sometimes it's not because we don't think this is important, but if you're like me, what tends to happen when we come to God with an impossible situation is we start out with this, this rock, giant rock-sized faith saying, God, I really believe you can do this. But then as we start to look at the situation, suddenly the, the reality of that situation gets larger. And, and what tends to happen is, is the, the rock of worry grows bigger than the rock of miracles. Because we're coming to God asking for a miracle, but then we start to look, and, and I know I do this. I start to rationalize, and I start to come up with these reasons. And, and before I know it, this is the size of my rock, believing that, that God can perform miracles. This is the size of my rock of fear and worry and wondering whether this could ever change. And I think this dad teaches us, when we come to Jesus, we come with boldness. And we say, God, I don't know how, but I'm going to believe, God, please, would you do a miracle in my life? A few years ago, this is several years ago now, here at Connect, I met a young couple. Uh, they were new to Connect, and... Um, the wife, Sarah, she came and introduced herself to me after hearing me speak, and she said, uh, hey, I just want to tell you that your message, it really spoke to me and my husband because of some stuff we're going through right now. I was speaking about faith and trusting God in the midst of um, trying times and difficult times, and she said, you know, we were really encouraged by your message right, that you spoke this morning because right now we've, we're in a, a period of our, of our lives where we've been discouraged. We've been going through a really difficult time as a couple. We, we would love to start a family. But for quite a while now, we've been trying and we've had no success up till now. We've, we've prayed about it. We've asked God for a miracle, but have yet to see that prayer answered. We've been discouraged, but hearing your message this morning kind of encouraged us to keep on hanging in there and trusting God and to keep on praying. I said, thank you so much for sharing that. I said, would you mind if I shared that with our prayer team here at the, at the church? We would love to pray for you as a church. She said, absolutely. The more people praying, the better. So, so I did. I shared it. We have a team here at the church that we sent an email out to, and, and they added them to their prayer list, and we were praying for this, this wonderful young couple. And I would see her um, on a regular basis, and, and I, I would always ask, hey, any more news? And, and it was hard sometimes for me to ask because I was really hoping to hear some good news, and then sometimes I would hear, yeah, no. No, we, we thought this might be the time, but it didn't work out again. And, but the story didn't end there. And it's such a great story that I didn't want to just tell it. So I, uh, I asked them if they would allow me and our creative team to go over and uh, interview them on film. And they very kindly agreed. And here is their story. We had seven... IVF retrievals, and we did three IVF transfers, and thinking 
God, is this some joke that I don't get to have to, to grow a family myself? And we got a phone call, and I just remember we stepped out of the cafe. We answered it and put it on speaker so we could both hear, and it was our fertility team. Hello? Sarah? Yes. Hey, it's Kristen. Hello. Yeah. All right, I have your results. Okay. Sarah, you are freaking pregnant! Woo! So your level looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. You should see us right now. We are making a total scene. <laughs> so then we have Henry. October October twenty sixth. Right through the pandemic. That was that was an ordeal in itself, but we thought we were gonna have to go through IVF again. But we we had Henry. Two years, two years into it, and we're like, yeah, we better start thinking about if we want to do this again. And then, out of nowhere, left field. <laughs> Not only are you pregnant, or we're pregnant, but it's twins. <laughs> and I'll never forget that morning that that uh, that we found out. Let alone the twins part, which was a couple weeks later. But it was like, holy smokes, miracles, <laughs> miracles happen. Especially with our our fertility issues being that I have very low egg reserve. Like it, medically, there's no reason why it should have happened, you know, let alone the fact that there were two eggs left in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a going out of business sale. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Throughout the process, we had to relinquish control. I just remember a lot of long car rides talking to God and Lots of tears, <laughs> tears on that road, <laughs> wondering when it was going to happen, if it was going to happen, you know, spending time with kids all day in my profession and helping other families thinking, God, is this some joke that I don't get to have to, to grow a family myself? Infertility felt like being on a roller coaster. We would you know, find energy to do um, a treatment and we'd have to find it in ourselves to be really excited about it, to think about what could be at the end of that. And then, you know, going through it and just the trials of the daily shots and all the medicine and um, staying positive through it. Um, and then the heartbreak after it oftentimes was kind of the lows of that roller coaster ride. And I just remember our counselor saying to us, you don't have to know the whole big picture. God's the one who knows the big picture. You just have to know, you have to pray and make that next decision. Sometimes the immense joy comes after you've experienced the immense pain. Our joy felt so magnified when we found out that we were pregnant because of everything that we had been through. 
and I think it's important for other couples to know that it's that it, it's good to feel all those feelings. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay not to be okay. Throughout our five years of fertility, we were connected with so many amazing people, and I know that God put them in our lives for very particular reasons. So if I were to talk to somebody else going through this, another couple, I would just encourage them that they don't have to do it alone. <laughs> that clap was to Jesus to say thank you for hearing and answering prayers. I, that's the third time I've watched that video. I watched it uh, last night when Justin, our creative director, sent me the finished product. Uh, I watched it this morning during first service, and uh, this morning was my favorite time to watch it because I didn't watch it at all. I just sat watching Sarah and Nathan, who are sat right here, watching that video, uh, celebrating with their two twins in their arms. And it just amazes me. I remember getting the email from Sarah when they found out they were pregnant with Henry, thinking, this is the best email I think I'll ever get. And we were praising God together. And then, I mean, it wasn't long late. It was maybe like a year later. I'm not sure. But I get another email. You're not going to believe this. We, this is miraculous. We weren't even trying. We've just found out we're pregnant again. And then another, we're having twins. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. But one of the coolest parts about the story is since going on this journey with Sarah and Nathan and praying together with them as a family, as a church, um, we've had other folks who have come and shared prayer requests and said, hey, could you pray for our family right now? We're We'd love to start a family. We've not had any success yet. We're looking to maybe do some um, IVF treatment, that kind of thing. And we'd really love it if someone could pray. And, and we've been able to say, not only will we pray for you, because we would love to pray for you. We'd love to believe with you that the God who can do big rock-sized miracles will hear and answer that prayer. We've been able to say, but could we put you in touch with another young couple who I know would love to pray for you as well, but especially because when they pray, they can say, we know exactly how you feel. So they've prayed for other families who now have attended Connect with their brand new babies, who have then prayed for other families who are now pregnant with their first child. It's just amazing to see these prayers answers. And I realize, I recognize that at this point, there may be some here this morning who are like, well, that prayer hasn't been answered in my life yet. Please, we, we would love to pray alongside you as well. We'd love to connect you with some of these families if that's a journey that you're on as a family this morning. <clears throat> the man asked for the impossible. He went to Jesus and said, I, this is what we prayed with the Myers family for the impossible. But the second thing we can learn from the man in the story is why. Why he asked. Listen to the way he asked Jesus. He said, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And I love Jesus' response. He says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And I think when I look at the why of why this guy asked, it was, it was almost as much for him as it was for his son. He needed his faith to grow. He needed to, to believe something bigger than himself, to believe that Jesus could do something bigger than himself. He needed to find something in Jesus that, that he could connect with that believed that anything is possible. 
He could have chosen that day not to even go and see Jesus. But for his own faith, he needed to make that journey. He needed to make that request. I think about my kids when they were still really young. Um, sometimes they would come to me and uh, they'd just got a brand new toy and, and they'd give it to me and say, hey, dad, can you, can you get this out of the packaging for me? Because it was just, toys are ridiculous. It was like all this plastic, like tight shrink rack and you get that off and then there's like 16 zip ties holding the thing in the packaging. You've got to take the whole thing to pieces and it takes ages, but... Never at any point did I go to my kids when they were young and say, okay, here's a list of all the things I can do. And they checked, they're like, hey, it turns out he can open toys. Let's bring him a toy. There was just this kind of childlike faith in my kids when they were younger who they just said like, dad, can you get this out of the box? They didn't even say, dad, get this out of the box. They knew I could because with me, anything was, anything was possible. Now they're older now and they know that's definitely not the case. <laughs> Reality has crept in. They've realized there's a lot of things dad can't do. But um, but at that point, I loved their childlike belief that dad can do it. And I think that's the kind of relationship God's looking for with us. Not just attendance at church on a Sunday, not just a prayer before our lunch or our dinner, but that kind of relationship that believes that our heavenly father loves us so much, can do so much. And sometimes when we choose to make this rock bigger, when we choose to believe that God is a God who can do miracles, it stretches our faith. That's why we ask, because it stretches our belief in who he is. He is someone who not only can do it, but somebody who wants to do it because he loves us individually so much. And that kind of leads to the last part here of, of the how. I love the way the father asked, because the how, I think, ties into to our humanity here, who we are. Because do, like, do you remember what the father said? He said, um, when Jesus said, anything's impossible to a person who believes, the dad instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. <laughs> sounds, kind of like, sounds like an oxymoron a little bit, doesn't he? He's like, yes, I believe, but I don't believe. <laughs> but I think he's just being real. He's saying, yes, I do believe that you can do it, but there's still this unbelief in me. And I think that's where we find ourselves sometimes as we come to God. We say, God, I do believe that you can do this. I have no doubt that you are a God who can just do the miraculous, who can do incredible things in people's lives. But, but where I struggle is the idea that you would choose to do that in my life. Or, or what I'm asking for help for is, is important enough. You know, surely there are things that are much more important. And our unbelief starts to creep in. And here's the amazing thing. And, and I love that Mark put that in there. I think the reason it's in there is important. I love that Jesus didn't chastise him and say, oh, dude, sorry, you just blew it. You started out well by saying you believe. But as soon as you said your unbelief, you lost it. The miracle's off the table. No, I think Jesus allowed him to say it because Jesus recognized in him what he sees in us and that actually when we go to Jesus, we can actually pray two prayers. We can pray, Jesus, would you do the miraculous in my life? Would you make this change? Would you, would you heal me in this area? Would you, would you do what, what, what no other, there's no other way that this could happen. Would you, would you do that in my life? And Jesus, would you also help me with my doubts? Would you also help me overcome the doubts in my life, to trust you, to believe that you can do this. And I think he wants to answer both of those prayers. But here's the thing, and here's the 
idea, the thought I want to close out with. And to be honest with you, this probably, this, this, this one Sunday message probably should be a whole series because it's such a deep subject. And maybe um, at another time during the year, we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit deeper. Because here's the challenge here this morning. At the end of the story that Mark tells, Jesus does heal the boy. He's completely set free. He speaks. He has no more seizures. He is, he is released, freed completely from this, this demonic possession, this, this sickness that had affected him. On that fantastic video we just watched, Henry was born. Shortly after, his, his twin brother and sister joined him. These are wonderful stories of, of miracles, of people going to God with the impossible and, and God answering. But the reality is, I know there are some here this morning, and maybe you're still waiting for your miracle. You've been praying, maybe even the sim, same prayer that the Myers were praying, and you've yet to see your prayer answered. Maybe you've asked for a miracle, and it, it hasn't happened in the way you thought it would happen. Let me just try and encourage all of us here this morning, because that shouldn't stop us from wanting to make it a priority to ask God for the impossible in our lives. But I think we should understand that when we ask for a particular miracle, that we should stay open to the other miracles that God might have for us that we didn't ask for. You may be going through a situation in your life right now, and you're saying, God, I need a miracle. I need you to, to help me get through this situation in my life. I need this situation to change. I need to see some healing in this. And, and that prayer seems like it's yet to be answered. But I loved what Sarah said in the video. She said, as we looked back, we could see God every step of the way. Even in the times that he hadn't answered the prayer we prayed, we could see the miracles of what he was doing in our life. And then at exactly the right time, Henry came along. So it's understanding that God still wants to work miracles in our life, even if they don't look like what we thought the miracles should look like. Maybe God's changing something within your heart, within your character. Maybe there's something growing in the way, in, in, in patience or in love or in trust through that period where it seems the prayer hasn't been answered. God is still at work in your lives. We sang that song uh, beforehand. It was a great song. In the blue skies and in the gray skies, I think, or blue water and gray skies, you know, in the, the good, the bad, the, um, that sometimes it's celebrating for what he has done and sometimes we celebrate him even though our prayers have yet to be answered. Because here's the thing, what I believe is the truth is that God's ultimate goal for us in this life is actually not physical wholeness. It's not financial security. It's not even that one day we find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. He may give us these things and he may answer our prayers and we may see some miraculous things happen in our life. But ultimately, I think what God truly wants from all of us is to have the kind of relationship where we go to him. We say, God, we want you to be a part. Well, we ask him for these big miraculous things where we, where we trust and believe that he really does love us and care about us individually so much that he wants to hear these prayers. And if he answers them and we see the miracles take place, praise God, that's fantastic. But even in the time that he doesn't answer them, let's praise God for that connection that we have with this loving father who wants to be a part of our life and what he's doing in our life 
in the midst of it. So by choosing to make miracles a big rock, by saying, I'm going to make this a priority. I'm going to, I'm going to make this a, a priority. This is something that's going to go in my jar first. I'm going to take time to ask God for the miraculous, to ask God for these things. It's helping us to make sure we never lose sight of the idea that God wants us to have a relationship with him. God wants us to go to him with our prayers and our requests. He wants us to ask him for help to overcome our doubts. And he wants to do the miraculous in our life, even if it means that the part of the miraculous is working in our lives while we wait. <clears throat> that happened in a final story I want to tell you this morning about a pastor whose name was Dwayne Miller. I heard this story years ago, and I, I, I looked it up again this week because I wanted it to, uh, I thought it would fit well in this uh, closing part of the message. So Dwayne Miller was the pastor of a church, and uh, he got sick, he got the flu, and uh, for a couple of weeks, he, he battled all the symptoms of the flu, and, and one of the things that happened was the flu caused his, his throat to kind of shrink, his vocal cords were affected, and, and his voice went from being able to speak normally to not being able to speak hardly at all. He just spoke with a real kind of raspy kind of voice. And after about two weeks, he started to get better and he started to get, you know, all the symptoms of the flu went, but his voice never came back. His voice never recovered from this. And he says he went to see dozens of doctors and specialists. And every one of them confirmed that this, this sickness had damaged his vocal cords, but none of them could figure out a way to repair them. They said, we think you're gonna be like this for the rest of your life. Which was devastating news to this pastor. He was the pastor of a church and, like me, spoke on a regular basis and now couldn't speak to his church. Sadly, he had to resign his position at the church. He took some other jobs where it wasn't as important to be able to speak. And he tells the story that for a couple of years he just went through um, depression. And, but through all of it, he never stopped asking God for a miracle. He said, the doctors have said there's nothing they can do. So God, would you please heal me? He tells the story that he and his wife started to attend a new church and the pastor of this small church they were attending said, would you be willing to lead a Bible study uh, for us once a week? And he said, I would. He goes, but as you can see, I can't communicate very well. And the guy's like, that's okay. We'll, we'll get you in a small room. And, and they got so much good feedback of the, the Bible studies that he would lead that they said, would you speak on a Sunday for us? Would you come up and, and speak? And he goes, well, I can't really speak as you've heard. And they said, well, that's okay. We'll, we'll take whatever we can get because we love what you've got to teach on. So he started to teach on a Sunday. It was very difficult for him because he couldn't speak very well and his throat was, um, you know, closed up. And one particular Sunday, the passage that they asked him to preach on, it was in Psalms and it was all about the fact that God wants to heal. Can you imagine that, having to stand and preach a message on a passage of Scripture that said God wants to heal us, knowing that he himself had not been healed? How do you do that? Well, the service wasn't videoed that morning, but they did record the audio of the service. And he talks about the struggle of being in a situation where you believe that God can heal, but have not been healed. So listen to this. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess, and it becomes a show. And God has never intended 
let that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does, but I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm been overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. <laughs> I'm uh, Sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I <laughs> He redeems my life from the pit. <laughs> and crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Yeah. <laughs> that happened several years ago. I remember watching the video years ago and seeing it happen and just being overwhelmed and amazed just watching as a guy speaking on healing. God is healing him. And I wanted to show it today, and I, I intentionally 
looked the guy up because I was, I was worried that something, you know, was like, oh, he, he got sick again or, you know, it, it wasn't a real sickness. But he st- just a few months ago did an interview telling this story to focus on the family about how he doesn't understand why, but in that moment, God chose to answer his prayer that he'd been praying for years. Will you heal me? He went back to the doctors. They couldn't explain it, but they said, yeah, your vocal cords have opened up again. And, uh, and he speaks now. He's written books. He travels telling his story of how God healed him. I don't understand. He doesn't understand why sometimes God answers some prayers and then others he doesn't. But I do believe that God wants us to pray, to ask him to do the miraculous. He wants that close relationship with us. He wants it to be a large rock in our lives that we would go to God and say, God, we throw ourselves upon you. We, we are asking you to help us in this situation. We have our prayer team who will be here after the service today. Maybe you've got a specific situation in your life right now and you'd like someone to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to believe with you for God to, to perform a miracle in your life. We'd love to share a story in weeks and months to come of something that makes no sense other than that God heard and answered our prayers and celebrate him for who he is and what he wants to do. Let's pray together. Father, as we close out this series, there are a lot of things that we've decided we want to make a priority in our life. But I pray, Lord, that after today, some of us here will will make it a priority to say, God, I'm going to choose to believe, Lord, that you want to hear about the needs in my life, and I'm going to come to you. And and like that dad in that story, I'm not going to ask for things to be a little bit better. I'm going to ask you for the impossible. But God, I'm also gonna have to ask you for some help, Lord, with my unbelief, my doubts. Thank you, Lord, that as we saw in this story, that's, that's very normal. But it shouldn't stop us for wanting to come to you, our heavenly Father, with whom anything is possible. To wanna come to you and say, God, would you heal this area of my life? Would you open this door? Would you, would you solve this, this issue I'm facing, Lord? Would you show us the outcome, Lord? Would you provide um, a, a way through this situation, Lord? We need the miraculous to take place in our life. And we're gonna come to you, Lord. We're gonna ask you for the miraculous. And we're gonna trust God that whenever, if ever, that prayer is answered in the way we would like to see it answered, Lord, that along the way, We will still see miracles of you working in our lives as we learn to trust you more. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.